0: This is the Sibling Library podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Welcome to Sibling Library, the podcast where we read, share, and repeat. My name is Julia. My name is Katie.
1: My name is Megan.
0: And if you didn't gather from our title, we are siblings. Yay. yay! Or maybe not yay. Depends on the day. Some of us are excited about it. <laughs> well, we want to welcome you to chapter 10 of our podcast what? Double digits. Dun, Did, you dun, have- dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Did you guys have a hard time turning 10? I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh so God. far removed from ten. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember turning ten and thinking, ugh.
1: I don't um, remember turning ten, but I do remember Katie turning thirteen and me thinking she was all of a sudden gonna turn into like a gangster <laughs> because I thought that's what all teenagers were. Katie, like I thought specifically? she
0: was.
1: Yeah. Well, oh. she was the first thirteen-year-old I ever knew in person. <laughs> in person. I thought, I thought was... when I became
2: a teenager that all the hair on my legs would fall out <laughs> because no teenagers I saw had hair on their legs. And then mom explained to me, Oh no, you're you're gonna have to maintain that yourself. <laughs> I think I cried for a week.
1: And that's why we that might all have been started. An overshare. Well, that's we all started being able to shave our legs when we were thirteen or when we were in fifth grade. I can't remember. I think when we fifth were eleven. Grade. Fifth grade, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't definitely didn't get to start
2: until after elementary school, so
0: well,
2: you guys you're wel- got you're welcome, fast track. You're
0: welcome for paving the way, Megan. Oh no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back on track. <laughs> May is not only our tenth month of doing this podcast, but it is also Short Story Month,
1: um, and this and- is. It's actually also Mental Health Awareness Month, which also uh, lines up with our choice for this.
2: Now I get why we read this. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I
0: would like to take credit for that, but I will not. Um, It's a a happy
1: happy coincidence coincidence
0: that it worked out. But specifically, I want to talk about Short Story Month because it is an officially recognized month. Um, It became recognized in 2013, and we're going to celebrate it on this show in a couple of ways. Um, For the main part of our show, we read The Yellow Wallpaper, a short story written by Charlotte Perkins Gilman in the 1800s. So we dug deep for this one. We went way, way back. And we are also going to, on the spot, right now, create short stories together. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Using story dice. Woohoo! Have you guys heard of story dice before? I
1: haven't. Only from you.
0: Yeah. So they are. I've got a set of six six six-sided. Did that? Did that come through? Six Mm -hmm. six six-sided. I have troubles with too many s's in in a row. (laughs) Um, but they're dice, a set of dice that each have a different picture on each side. And they're just kind of little story prompts, um, that can get you going on a story. Um, so I thought I would roll the dice and as best I can, uh, use our webcam here for you guys to see what the dice are. And how about, uh, we each. We'll go in a round, and then we'll just try to make a story with the six dice. And if we need to, I'll roll again. But let's see how we do with the first roll. What do you
1: think? Sound, sounds great. You're going to have to unblur your background.
0: Good note. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. All right, I'm, I'm rolling for real. We can't even a little bit hear it.
2: <laughs> you gotta be. <laughs> All
0: right. Here are the dice. Can you see them?
2: Yes. I see a blanket, a castle, a smiley face, a crown.
1: A sun, and I don't. Is
2: that a devil?
1: Eddie?
0: I think it's a monster.
1: Monster. Okay.
0: A horrifying monster. Okay. All right, Megan, you're up.
1: Well, I feel like this very clearly has to be a story that takes place at Disneyland. Mm -hmm.
0: Already a winning story.
1: So let's say it was a very sunny day when we entered the main gate at Disneyland. The
2: sun's rays were beaming off of Sleeping Beauty's castle.
0: All in attendance at the park were so happy with the biggest smiles on their faces.
1: Which nobody could see because everybody was wearing face masks until the Yeti came out of the Matterhorn and scared everyone so much that they ran so fast that their face masks flew off. (laughs) They all ran to try to find a blanket to hide under.
0: When they lifted the blanket, they found the lost crown. Ah. Do we need another roll? Uh,
1: sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A rainbow, another castle. Is that a snow cone in the middle? It's a sailboat.
0: It's a sailboat.
1: Okay, a s- sailboat. Okay.
0: Alien and a sad face.
1: And a snowflake? Okay, mm-hmm. am I starting again?
0: hmm Continuing the story.
1: Little did the people know in Disneyland that after they found the crown, the aliens up in the sky had also been looking for the, clown- the crown. The park-goers found this out as the alien ship hurtled towards the
2: ground, carried on a rainbow. And the alien ship was actually a <gasps> sailboat. This is like one of Megan's dreams.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Since the alien ship was an actual sailboat, the aliens looked very sick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Out
2: of concern, the park goers ushered the aliens into the castle gates,
0: where they were met with some much needed air conditioning, which always (laughs) makes everything better. The end. Nice. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. That was. That was. Um. I think we are going to move on to the next part of our show.
1: Which will not um, be as as joyful.
0: Oh, no. No, no, no.
1: We're going to make a turn here.
0: (laughs) And like Megan mentioned at the beginning, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we, we read the story, The Yellow Wallpaper, by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And it has a lot to do with mental illness and mental health and all that kind of good stuff. So why don't we start with explaining what our own personal experience with this story is?
1: So my personal experience with this story, I had to read it when I was in 12th grade AP English in high school. And then I read it again I can't remember if it was my freshman year or my sophomore year of college, but it was in my American literature class. I remember that much, at least. Um, And the first time I read it in high school, it was part of like a a feminism literature unit. So we read it alongside The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Um, I don't remember it really sticking with me a whole lot from – high school but in college the teacher that read it to or that we the teacher that taught American literature gave us like five different interpretations and I remember that was the first time really that I understood that like literature has multiple interpretations and it's not just what your teacher in high school says it is, you know, it can be interpreted multiple different ways. What matters is the evidence that you use to back up your interpretation. Um, and that's something that I've carried with me since, especially in teaching. Awesome. Katie, have you read this story before? No,
2: this is, at least to my knowledge or to my memory, it, it may have been something that I read in in school, but it certainly didn't stick with me if I did. Um, so, my experience that I can recall is all involved in preparation for this show. So I won't go too deep into it because I'm sure we're going to talk more about it in the following discussion questions. But yeah, this is my first, first experience with this story.
0: Awesome. Did you have any idea what you're getting into? I repeat woof. No, I, it (laughs) it was,
2: it was, it was like not, not what I needed. Um, at this point in time but also i really have an appreciation for the fact that we we chose a time to read it when it's you know a, a period when we should be celebrating short stories and mental health so it that it, it definitely fits the bill on both counts and has a lot to talk about and think about
0: but it's it's not a light-hearted read no um, and this was my idea for us all to read this together. Um, and I have read this story, it came up in three different times throughout my school days. Um, and it has haunted me ever since first time I read it, which was in my freshman year of high school. That's too and early. That, <laughs> yeah. <In> my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you because I literally had nightmares about it. Mm. Um, it affected me that much. Um, so why I decided to read it now is mystery to me, but mostly because I wanted, I guess I wanted to know what you guys thought about it. You yeah, wanted to-, to
1: unpack your trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Something that
2: affects you that deeply, whether it be positive or negative, is it Kind of like what you were saying, Megan, it it starts to formulate your thoughts on, on other things that are similar, and it, it stays with you in a way that, you know, even if you don't enjoy going back to it, it's something you almost can't help but go back to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, with all that being said, Katie, do you want to try and give a synopsis of the story before we dive into discussing it? You're going to make me relive
2: it. Okay, I will try.
0: You volunteered. Um,
2: I did volunteer i i'm gonna i'm gonna try to give a quick brief synopsis of what this story is about um it is a short story so there's not really a lot of content but to give an overview of so it centers around a female i guess you can call her protagonist it's it's very much her experience and her her own thoughts um it's clear that she's it's almost in the format of her keeping a journal she and her husband uh over the summer have gone to basically a summer home. They're calling it a a mansion, a hereditary estate where they're staying um, in order to allow her to rest and recuperate from um, some illness that she's going through. Um, Throughout the story, she continues to try to get better by essentially isolating herself and doing absolutely nothing stimulating, which is what she's being directed to do by her husband, who's also a physician. And throughout the story, she you, you see her descend further into madness, basically. She is confined to a single room of the estate and it's, it sounds like it's a very beautiful room. It's, it's all windows, it gives her lots of fresh air but the only thing that she can pay attention to is the horrendous yellow wallpaper that is all over the walls in this room. And she really fixates on it. Um, she fixates on the pattern and the color. And she gets to the point, to the end of the story, where she is convinced that there is a woman living behind the pattern. And she starts to feel that she has to let this let this woman out. Um, I'll leave it at that because I, I think that... A lot of the rest of it is kind of up to interpretation and I'm sure we're going to dig into some of that but it's it's overview that's that's what
0: the story's about thank you um yeah so that was a good description of the story um without giving it all away so perfect perfectly done you you will be our go-to synopsinizer <laughs> Yes, I, I accept that title with pride.
2: I made it up. Did you could you tell? No, that's not a word. <laughs> I don't think so. Synopsinizer. Um, yep. That was a lot of S's. You didn't have a problem with those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they weren't all right next to each other. Um, so what struck you guys most about the story? I can start
2: if if it. no one else has anything um, that they, they want to share. I think, so because this was my first reading, um, I'll start off by saying that I, I went into, I read it twice. My first reading of it, I went into it blind. I didn't do any research or anything to figure out what it was about other than you know hearing the two of you talk about it. So I, I knew the general story, but as far as, you know, what the deeper meaning was or who, or about the author, what her motivations were for writing it, I knew, I knew nothing of that. So I kind of went in to just like, get my own interpretation. Um, and the second time around, after I read it, I, I read some of the resource material on this story about why it was written, um, which gave me a little bit more background. Um, but both times I read it, the thing that struck me the most and the, the part that was chilling the most to me was um just the the theme of and the feeling of control and manipulation that the husband had over the wife. Um, there's a few passages in there that were really like he had her so convinced that, you know, what he was doing was for her benefit and that he was, you know such such a caring and generous partner for doing this for her when he's he's basically causing her to, go further insane. Um, and on the first reading of it, again, not having as much context, you know, I had some ideas about, you know, just knowing when the story was written, what was causing this, but, you know, I also was wondering like, is, is this malicious manipulation or is it just the way things were at the time, you know? Um, so those were some of the things that, that really, were kind of sticking in my mind as I was reading through this story.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree with all of that. And then something that has always stuck out to me when I read this is just the, when you're writing a short story and you don't have, you know, pages and pages and pages and chapters to have time to develop a character, um, you have to be a little creative in the way that you go about developing your character or characters. And I think Charlotte Perkins Gilman did a really great job of, uh, I don't need, does the main character have a name? I don't, I don't think, think so. they
2: ever say it. Yeah,
1: I just re- I just realized that that I she did a great job of letting us get to know her. And maybe that's the reason she didn't give her a name so that the the reader, especially if it was a female reader, could, you know, see themselves in her. Um, I don't know. That's my thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't yeah. know if that made sense, but that
0: it made does. Sense. Um, yeah, what really struck me by this story from the first time I read it to now is that she literally was driven crazy by all the things she was being forced to do, and like it's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or
2: forced not to do was right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was she was cut off from everything and everyone mm-hmm. that would you know, give her- like st- Any kind of stimulation yeah, she wasn't allowed know, to have. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the other thing that, that stuck out to me, um, sorry if I'm interrupting you, Julia, was that the isolation, kind of the, the theme of isolation and looking at the fact that this was, this was written back in the 1800s, the theme of isolation is super relevant to us in our lives today with everything that we've been going, we've been going through with COVID as a society. There's mm-hmm. so many things that we've had to isolate from um, and not engage in, and there's a lot of people who have really struggled with that. And Mental Health Month is, you know, never, it never has never been more important. Um, you know, there's there's a rise in, in the need for mental health care and, and people needing, you know, counseling and um, and just people to talk to because. Mm-hmm. This is not something any of us has ever been through in our lifetimes. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how relevant a story this old still is in, in the mm-hmm. current situation that we're in.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, and this story was written in the late 1800s. It was either published in 1891 or 1892. And is pretty groundbreaking because like mental health wasn't really something that they talked about back then. Um, oppression. No. Sorry, or even... I was gonna say the treatment <laughs> was to sit by yourself yep. and mm-hmm. not stimulate yourself. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Continue, Joel. And and yeah, and it just also highlights um, control in marriage and the oppression that was happening to many women that. They really had no way of getting away from or even talking about or standing up for themselves. Um, so there this story has been um, what's the word I'm looking for? Influential? Influential because of that and is still influential today because these are still things that our society <laughs> struggles with and mm-hmm. it, it, like it hasn't gone away. Um, but yeah, I think what you said, Megan, like, because I think that's a good point because she never named the main character, it does kind of give the reader, especially if it's a female, um, makes it easier for them to see themselves in the character, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something
1: else that, um, struck me this time around reading it, just because I, I have read it and I know you know, like e- you're supposed to the main character. I don't know if she doesn't realize she's actually in an institution or if she's just making it seem like for show that she is on vacation, but she is very clearly almost from the first page, very clearly mm-hmm. in an institution. Right. Yeah. Um, like the, she I didn't wrote catch
0: that. You, there are bars on her window. There's bars on her windows. Um, there's, and Do you it remember says, the part when she's like it's like a gymnasium? Yeah, yeah there's
1: rings on the walls.
0: So they definitely can
1: for like bar people to the
0: chain yeah. people to the walls. The, um, the bed is nailed down. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you studied this in school. Give me a break.
1: Well, the, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that.
2: Yeah no this I didn't this time around catch that. reading
1: it that's yeah. um and I think the the first time she mentions the yellow wallpaper she I think it's the first time if not the first time one of the first times um, she writes the the paint and paper look as if a boys school had used it it is stripped off the paper in great patches all around the head of my bed about as far as I can reach so as in somebody laying in bed just mm-hmm that's all they're doing is just scratching the wall Mm -hmm. like creepy also. Um, And it says about as far as I can reach. So that leads me to believe that it's her and that she has been there much longer than she is letting us know. Cause that's on the second page. So that's something else that I'm also curious curious about is like, does she, did she just get there or is this just, The first time she's... Or, like, is this one chapter
0: in her journal. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know, Megan, you did have a question about John. Like, is he really her husband? Or is he her doctor? But there is a part in the story when he's, like, sleeping in bed with her, right?
1: Yeah, there is. But there's also, at the beginning, like, it talks about he is giving excuses for why he's going to be in a, a different room for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one of the excuses was um, he said there was only one window and not room for two beds and no near room for him if he took another. So like he wanted to go upstairs so that he could have a room next to her that was nearby mm-hmm. and that he also wanted one with two beds. So I don't I don't know I don't yeah what do you guys think actually her husband or just her doctor? I had read that part differently too. Um, I I thought I interpreted
2: that to mean that um, he was trying to find a room that was big enough for both of them to be in together. That was what I thought that meant. But yeah I think I think part of what is coloring my interpretations is you know i i read it the first time through got some general impressions but didn't pay too close attention to like the little details that we're discussing now mm-hmm. and then i did research so i know you know like the the motivations behind why she wrote this story which i'm sure we're going to get into so that that's more what i thought about going into it later on so you know i i think it's it's you know as you were saying before megan you can You can read any story regardless of how the author intended it even and take Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, is is relevant to you and and whatever your
0: interpretation is from it. So there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Megan said, as long as you can point to some evidence, there is Mm -hmm. no right and wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the more that I read this story the more I'm convinced she is just in, she's in in an institution. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't her, this isn't a summer home. This is an institution. And she was sent there because she had a little bit of depression and they didn't know how else to treat it and just sent her deeper into Mm -hmm. depression. Yeah, and I'm fairly certain
1: that it was postpartum depression, right? Because she yeah. she very briefly which, mentions that she just had a baby, right? And that's about yep. all the mention there is of the
0: baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is another thing that goes right along with women' history is <laughs> like that doesn't get talked about either. It just gets like again, like it's just looked at as the woman being fragile and.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: yeah, I think is this a good a good time to talk about the, the article that you sent to us, Julia, of yeah. um, what um, Charlotte Perkins Gilman wrote in terms of explanation for why she wrote the story. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Did you want to talk about it or? Sure, I do want to. Let me see. Um. So I will. I want to mention. Yeah, Charlotte. Perkins Gilman wrote uh, an article as to why she wrote this story because it was asked many, many times um, why she did. Because like we mentioned at the beginning, you either, I don't even know if you can say you like the story, you accept the story for what appreciate it is and it. what it's appreciate it and what it's trying to do. You can um, be fascinated by it. Yeah. Or you completely hate it. Um, and I want to read, this wasn't in the article, but there was a funny bit at the end of the, the printout of the story. So the story was published in 1892 by the New England magazine, uh, but it was first rejected by the editor of the Atlantic Monthly. Um, and the rejection came with a note saying, Dear Madam, Mr. Howells has handed me this story. I could not forgive myself if I made others as miserable as I have made myself. Sincerely yours, H.E. Scudder. So he was not a fan of the story. Um, But she wrote this story um, because she had a similar experience with it. um, And she was having trouble, I believe, postpartum. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she said, "For many years, I stu- suffered from a severe, severe, and continuous nervous breakdown, tending to melancholia and beyond. Um, during about the third year of this trouble, I went in devout faith and some faint stir of hope to a noted specialist in nervous diseases, the best known in the country. This wise man put me to bed and applied the rest cure." To which a still good physique responded so promptly that he concluded there was nothing much the matter with me and sent me home with solemn advice to live as domestic a life as far as possible, to have but two hours in intellectual life a day and never to touch pen, brush or pencil again as long as I lived. That was in 1887 and she found herself just on the verge of a complete and total mental breakdown by trying to follow that advice. So she went on to write The Yellow Wallpaper, and she said, The little book is valued by alienists and as good a specimen of one kind of literature. It has, to my knowledge, saved one woman from a similar fate, so terrifying her family that they let her out into normal activity and she recovered. But the best result is this. Many years later, I was told that the great specialist had admitted to friends of his that he had altered his treatment of neurasthenia since reading the yellow wallpaper. It was not intended to drive people crazy, but to save people from being driven crazy. And it worked. So go Charlotte. That was my favorite quote from that. I had that written down.
2: (laughs) I I looked it up um, and that is basically a retired... Um, psychiatric term. Psychiatric term, and it's it means um, something closer to uh, anxiety and fatigue, and um, also alienist is another term for a psychiatrist. Perfect. Yeah, I I really had a sense of I don't know if pride is the right word, but just you know when you are impressed by. By someone to have the bravery to see something that just just isn't right, and even though it's against popular belief, and knows that it'll it'll be faced with a lot of criticism, a lot of people who, you know, don't understand it or aren't willing to see what it is she's trying to put out there, she went ahead and did it anyway. Um, and she's you know one of the leading feminist writers of the time, and this this story definitely is a wonderful illustration of that.
0: Do you guys think, did you have any predictions of how the story was going to end? Did it end the way you expected it to end? Did the first not? time I read
2: it I was really confused by the ending. Let me find my note. I, I like didn't understand and maybe because I was reading it too fast or just wasn't picking up on what was going on in the scene but um, do, did we didn't really explain what happened at the end so here's my interpretation of what happened at the end and maybe that's a good way to to couch this conversation, um, my understanding of what happened is that the end of the story, she seemed to be under the the impression that that they were going to be leaving this, you know, as as we're looking at it, whether it was an institution that she's in or, you know, in her mind, if if it was just a place that they were staying for the summer. In her understanding of of her situation, it seemed like they were going to be leaving there um, very soon. And she felt like she had to get to the bottom of the woman that was trapped behind the wallpaper. So she resorted to locking herself in the room and throwing the key out the window Mm -hmm. and was then peeling all the paper off the wall. And she had a rope and had planned to trap the woman and tie the woman up with the rope um, to show uh, to show her her husband, her doctor, that this was actually real. Um, and towards the end, it's kind of hard to tell what she, you know, the, the doctor slash husband comes to the door and is trying to get her to come out. She tells him that, um, you know, the, the key is outside and he needs to go find it. She's continuing to, what she keeps saying is creep around the room. Um, And then he opens the door and sees what she has done, which I can only assume is she's ripped all the wallpaper off of the wall. Um, And I also don't know if the first time I read it, I thought maybe she was using the rope and she had hung herself, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was clearly still conscious to, to tell the story and see that he had fainted is what happens at the very end. So he's very shocked by whatever he walks into. Um, and it could have just been her in a complete state of disarray, which he he didn't realize she had deteriorated that far and maybe that's what caused his reaction. but I was I was kind of confused by it. Um, but that's that's what I've taken away from the way I've read it both times and I'd be interested for you guys to fill in some more details there because it was a little bit hard for me to interpret.
1: Julia, your interpretation that you told me way back when, I can't remember if I think it was after I read it in college you told me because I think it would have really disturbed me in high school. but that's the only way I can read it. So I think you should uh, you should tell your interpretation.
0: Well, I have no idea if this is true. but like just trying to piece together why John would faint like that. Mm-hmm. um is i i think she was doing some kind of self mutil- mutilation self harm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and perhaps cuz cuz she flips it like she goes from saying like i've got to get this woman out i've got to let the woman out until she and then she's like i'm out like i'm yeah. out yeah like i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it but like <laughs> like ripping off her own skin Ooh. like she just can't be in it anymore do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that would make me faint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she definitely harmed herself in some way. And I think, kind of like you said, Katie, like, he just didn't realize she was that bad off. That she was she was that far gone. Yeah. Because everything that he he told her to do, everything that she was supposed to not be doing, like you said, Was driving her crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: I that that interpretation does make a lot of sense, and yeah, that there is that moment where she's she's totally fixated on what seems like someone outside of her, like an Mm -hmm. other person that she's trying to free. And then at the end, you're right, it flips and she she switches and is like, I've escaped.
0: Like that's the part that like the first Mm -hmm. I remember the first time reading. Sorry. The first mm-hmm. time reading, I remember the hairs on the back of my neck just like stood st- straight up. I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. like it's
1: terrifying." Is that the interpretation that you ended up with, in as a freshman in high school, or was that mm-hmm. more, yeah? yeah when I came out of high school.
0: That's why I, I was wonder it gave nightmares. You
1: nightmares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and interestingly, you know how I said my college professor gave, like, five different interpretations? Mm-hmm. That wasn't one of them, but that's the one that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. And I'm what curious. were some I'd... of the other ones? Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Julia.
0: No, I was going to say. I wish Good I remembered. Because <laughs> <laughs> this one is the most startling, probably.
1: Yeah, like, I think she went through the literal interpretation, which is if you trust the narrator and what she's saying as fact, like, that was one interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, another interpretation was that she's been in the institution from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember what the, in, like, what the interpretation was for the actual ending for that one. Um, then there was, I can't remember the other ones, but there were two or three others that she had mm-hmm.
0: like there there's a reason this story is still around and still being discussed and taught in school mm-hmm. um there's a lot to unpack in it and we like haven't even scratched the surface and yeah <laughs> like i'm not i'm not a literary expert or anything but more so than me i i that never even crossed my mind.
2: Um, Maybe if I'd read it more and more, it would have come out that way. But yeah, I I feel like I was kind of, it's almost like now that you've said it, it's it's like Megan described, like it's kind of obvious now. Mm -hmm. And it's like the way it's written is so well engineered that, you're like dancing around it without really realizing it,
1: and then once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, yeah. once you see it, you like see the evidence in almost mm-hmm. every sentence. Mhm. Um.
0: Yeah, and it just kind of, just kind of the way the story unfolds, you can just kind of see she's like at the beginning, she's just kind of trying to act and seem like she's doing exactly like a good girl, like she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing, and mm-hmm except that she's writing in this journal that she's not supposed to be doing
2: so she's keeping this she's she's being very covert about writing in this journal because she's not supposed to do any of these things
0: yeah and it's Mm -hmm. keeping it's just keeping like a timeline of how bad her her circumstances are getting she's lucid at the beginning yeah mm -hmm. just towards the end she's like I've got to get this lady out. I've got to get this lady out. Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. the lady. Surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, this, this pretty heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It is. And the story has, like, I cannot think of another short story that I've ever read that has stuck with me like this one. So would you guys recommend this short story? to anybody adults <laughs> not, not
1: freshmen in high school not freshmen in high school I would say maybe I will junior, say it was in high
0: school I was in an AP English class or yeah. on honors or AP I don't know when AP started but it was an honors English class so they thought we were to, more advanced yeah to
2: play devil's advocate though you know yeah, this is, uh, this obviously was very affecting to Julia at the age that she was at, but it's also, you know, talking about mental health month and the fact that it's, it's a topic that some people still are uncomfortable even talking about,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I, there, there probably are, are many other short stories that could be used as examples for this that would generate conversation um, but sometimes, like, this type of a story that is, you know, is dated, it's from a different time, it kind of has a different read on it. And that, that might be why I didn't come to that conclusion, is that, you know, you you think about stuff from that, that's written back in that time frame and, you know, how proper and censored things were at that time. Like, you almost don't assume that that's where they were going with it. So I don't know if that if that maybe creates um, you know more of a a shield from that for for someone of that age. like maybe they could they would have a different reading on. Obviously, Julia, you you came to that conclusion <clears throat> at that age, so maybe that that hypothesis is not a good one. but I'm just I'm wondering like if you if you say it's only for adults, is that sheltering? And, and like not not addressing the issues or what are your opinions on that, Megan, as far as, you know, an educator. You're not at the high school level, but, you know, you're you're prepping students for that level. And how do you decide, you know, what they're ready for and what they're not?
1: Uh, um, Big question. I'm sorry. That's OK. Um, I teach seventh grade, so I teach students who are 12 years old, turning 13. um, And I tend to think that my students are still young enough that they need to be sheltered from certain things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I want, especially because in today's day and age, they see stuff at home, on the TV, on the internet, uh, that isn't safe for them. Um, and maybe I should be reading more t- things like this, I, not not necessarily this story, but maybe I sh- Maybe that's something to think about, that maybe we should be unpacking things like this so that they have the skills to be able to unpack things that they do see out in the wild, um, outside of school. But also, I want them to have somewhere that's safe. Right. You know, yeah, that, no, and, and there to have some place that's a haven. Um, and so I don't,
2: I don't think there's a, a, should you be, should you be doing this? And I, I know I kind of framed it that way. I didn't mean it mean to direct it at you and your, your personal teaching style is more of a, a general question. And I think, you know, I think it all comes down to what are you comfortable having in your classroom, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and that may differ But from one group of students to another, even if they're the same age, you may you may have one group of students that would be completely mature enough and ready to handle a discussion around something like this. And then you may have another group the next year that you're like, nope, they they need puppies and unicorns. And that's it. (laughs)
1: And, And I think that's also something that is unique, especially to seventh grade within middle school, because I do, you know, sixth grade, most students have not gone through puberty yet seventh grade is when they really start you know like maybe half and half and then by eighth grade most of them have so like something along these lines that could be really triggering might be triggering for a handful of kids might be another handful of kids might go completely over their heads and they'll still be in the the rainbows and unicorns and then the rest of the kids might just traumatize them so it's like something like this I, I just don't I don't see it for a seventh grade class. I definitely see the value in this story in junior or senior year of high school um mm-hmm. I, I think seventh grade is a little too a little too early that makes sense. yeah yeah you shouldn't take advice from the kid that was reading Stephen
2: King
0: at 10 years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think um. I, I tend to agree with Megan. I think under high school grades, probably too early. Um, I, I think you know, having the exercise
2: of talking about like, what did you take from this? Um, and and potentially having some some people, and in my opinion, this is just my opinion, obviously. I w- using the word triggered, like, sometimes I think that can be helpful you know, to be exposed to things that are traumatic for you so that you can, you know, you can learn to process them. This is just my opinion. I have not been through extreme trauma. Um, so, you know, I, I can't speak from a place of experience, but, um, you know, just knowing that usually it's something that it helps to talk about. And when you talk about something, you kind of have to re-experience it, Um you know, I but but my point in bringing that up is not to say, like, let's walk around and trigger people as much as we can. Like, that's that's not what I mean. It's more there's a there's kind of a place for that. And maybe the place for that is not shouldn't shouldn't be put on a teacher in a classroom who doesn't have, you know, a degree in psychology <laughs> um, that yes. that can really help someone
0: get through that. Yeah. Maybe that's a good question is, does this story. Should it only be taught in English classes? Should it be taught in psychology classes? Like, mm. I feel it could be taught in women's history, history classes. classes yeah. Like, there's this, this story can be broken down through the lens of a bunch of different scopes. Um, I don't know if what I just said made any sense. It, no, it did. No, it did. Yeah. I, and I think... I no, think did, it all, would... did all of those words go together?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cohesive and and uh,
0: coherent sentence. Okay. well done. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think this could be, and that's probably that's another reason why this story has endured for, I can't even do the math. How many years? It has stood so the like test of time. Like 170-ish.
2: one hundred and sixty, one hundred and
0: seventy-ish. Um, it is part of the canon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even if. Just the way that depression gets talked about or handled today is not exactly the same. Um, it's still something that feels almost shameful to talk about still to this day and yeah mental health is, is a big deal. It,
2: yeah, it's something
0: yeah. we all we all
2: experience to varying degrees mm-hmm. You know, there's no one that, that walks through their entire life without a care in the world or without going through a difficult time or having trouble, you know, processing a loss or mm-hmm. a challenge or a failure, you know, like everyone goes through it. It's a universal thing that we all experience. And the more we shy away from it and isolate ourselves and and don't, you know, we, we, we make it a, tab- a taboo issue. Mm-hmm. it It just built, it just increases our shame about it, and then that that keeps us from getting over it and getting through mm-hmm. it and and feeling like we can relate to other people who are going through the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Like really, the isolation of the main character in this story is really what drove her mm-hmm. <laughs> off the deep end. and like, yeah, we're stronger together than we are apart. yeah. So, hmm. I know, this was not, this was not a lighthearted discussion. No. No, but it was um, a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, so th- thanks, guys, for <laughs> reading this with me. I know Megan was questioning why in the world I would want us to read this together. <laughs> um, no, I think, I at mean, least it wasn't
2: as much of a time commitment as Slaughterhouse Five that I put together. Yeah. I, I was
0: just I was just gonna say that both Megan and I questioned why Katie wanted to read that one. So Megan, you're up. You okay. get to take the next time we group read something. I will pick
1: something. And my my can like my confusion for why Julia wanted to read this book in particular, this story in particular, wasn't like I can't believe she wants to read this story. It was more just. You're a children's librarian.
0: I would not recommend <laughs> this to any of my so, children's patrons.
1: <laughs> you know, like I was thinking maybe we'd read Arthur or Berenstain Bears <laughs> or something like that. So it was That'd it just a felt
0: a little show. bit. I love the Berenstain Bears.
1: All right. Well, then maybe that's what I'll pick is for us to all pick a children's book. And
0: now we'll do something else.
1: Put it in the hopper.
0: All right. Well, why don't we move on to our book ends and how about each of us talk about a book that is exciting to us? could be something you've read. It could be something that you're planning on reading, just something that you are excited about.
1: Um. So something that I'm excited to read, I started it last night. It was a uh, late birthday present from Julia. It's a, thank you. It's a graphic novel called Guerrilla Green, but Guerrilla spelled like G U E R I L L A, like Guerrilla Warfare. Um, and it's about the Guerrilla Green movement, which I had never heard of, but has apparently been around since like the 1500s. Um, where people just reclaim plots of land that have been urbanized and just against the rules, start planting it. Like they don't ask anyone, they just start planting uh plants there. Um, and it's giving advice on how to continue the the gorilla green movement. And it's fascinating and the artwork is beautiful. Um and it's it's also quite witty. So I'm enjoying that so far.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Katie. Come back to me okay um right. <laughs> so i am going to talk about a graphic novel it's a japanese style um book uh, so it's written backwards to forward and it is called cats of the louvre by tayo matsumoto and i'm going to be real honest with you i don't know what the description of this book is um But I love cats, I love museums, and I love Paris. I didn't love the Louvre, but that's a different story. Um, But I love all those other things, so I'm excited to see what these cats do in the Louvre. Very nice. (laughs) I'm excited to hear.
1: I forgot to mention that uh, Gorilla Green is written by Ophelia Damble, and the illustrations are by Cookie Calcare. All right.
2: Sorry that I... I punted there for a second. I was trying to find something in Goodreads that was going to help me describe this. So the contribution I have to this portion of the show is a book that I, I really want to recommend. Um, it's called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. I came across it as I was going through the Good, Goodreads Choice Awards for 2020, and it won the category for Best Debut Novel of 2020. So this is Kylie Reed's first novel. Um, And the reason I want to recommend it is because it's it's, so it's a fiction, fictional story, obviously, it's a novel. Um, And I'm going to read this description really quickly, because it gives a really good synopsis. So author Kylie Reed's fascinating debut brings dry and sometimes dark humor to a story about everyday domestic biases that we don't even know we have. African American babysitter Amira encounters escalating weirdness when her upper crest white employer friends white employer finds disastrous new ways to deploy her good intentions. Reed's assured debut has won her rave reviews, charts, charts, topping sales, and now a coveted Goodreads choice award. So this book pushed a lot of buttons and it was very, um, it's the type of story that you can see yourself in. You can see people in your life in, and you can see, you know, even the best of intentions can sometimes come across very differently to the person that you're trying to help and the way that you're trying to help them.
0: Also Um, with that book, like mm -hmm. you can talk yourself into anything being a good idea. Right. Yeah.
2: You, you can, you can totally see how, um, some of the people, I mean, at least me in my, my own perspective, obviously people of, of a different background and different perspective will, will see themselves in different parts of the book, but you know, it's, it's very, um, a lot of it is very cringeworthy and uncomfortable, the situations that the characters find themselves in, but it's also so engrossing and so, um, unpredictable in the sense that like, you know, it's, it's, got kind of the format of almost a romantic comedy in a way. Um, but it goes in very different directions than you would expect it to. So it's, I've never read anything quite like it. And it's just so very relevant to conversations about, um, about race and about, um, you know, ensuring that we are treating each other and supporting each other, regardless of, of, you know, our, our position and privilege, how we're using our position and privilege um, and how we are trying to, to help others that don't have that same position and privilege and whether what we're doing is actually helpful or not. Um, so, you know, leaving that a little bit cryptic because I don't want to give too much too much else away about the story. I really, really recommend this one. It was it's probably my favorite read of the year so far.
1: What was it called again?
2: Such a fun age. <laughs>
0: awesome well thank you guys for humoring me and getting into this rough story thank um, you for challenging
2: us with it this was not yeah. what I expected it to be in the conversation went some
0: really interesting places I've, I'm really glad to have been a part of it
1: awesome. same
0: uh, and if if we haven't spoiled the story too much and you're interested in reading this story, I would recommend just Googling the Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And Even if we pop did right up.
1: spoil it too much, you should go read it, because there is a lot that we didn't, um, didn't touch on.
0: Yeah, and yeah. if you are on Instagram, and let me fact check myself right now, I do believe the New York Public Library... Um, Let's see if they saved it. They did a special um, Instagram story that you can read the whole yellow wallpaper just right on their Instagram page. Interesting. Let me see if that is still a thing. It is. So if you go to NYPL on Instagram and look at their highlights reel, they have the yellow wallpaper on there which maybe I'll go through because the version we read had a lot of interesting typos and such and we're not sure okay. if that was transcription error or if that was the way it was really intended written. to be written mm-hmm. so go check it out and if you have any comments or want to share anything with us we would love to hear it you can send us a message on Instagram we are sibling library pod on Instagram. And we also have an email address. Um, And we are siblinglibrarypod at gmail.com. So if you ever have any comments or questions or anything that you want to share with us, you can get a hold of us that way. Uh, But for right now, I think we are going to end this chapter of sibling library and we'll see you next month so let's keep reading sharing and repeating bye Bye. Bye. that brings us to a close on this chapter of sibling library thank you for listening until next time let's read share and repeat